Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Zach Darnell. I'm a guest today, Miss Lindsay Picardo. Uh, it was a lot of fun to sit down and chat with her. Uh, Lindsay is a coach, a trainer, a consultant, a keynote speaker, uh, and a musician, uh, among many other things. And I think because of some of the work that she's been doing over the last few years, working with different companies and doing a lot of that training and coaching, she's got a great lens and a great pulse on maybe what some of the th- some of the things that companies are working through right now. And one of my favorite parts of our conversations was diving into some of the nuances of different perspectives and life experiences and generations that we all have when we're working together uh, in a company and and how to meet each other as just fellow humans and trying to understand where we're all coming from because we all have some differing goals, but that doesn't mean it has to divide us. And it was just a really cool conversation. So I really hope you enjoy. And without further ado, let's dive in. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, is there anything that you are especially passionate about or talking about newish that you want to make sure we touch on? I always like to ask that. I think that's a great question. Um, let's see. I'm really thinking about strategically what we've been talking about in the biz. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a lot of mental health coming back to work, how to take care of yourself. Obviously, generational content is a big part of that, which we can dive into. That was very in line with what I wanted to, because I I follow you on the socials. Oh, yes. And so I'm like, oh, man, we got to talk about this because it's so important. It's really those two pieces. So helping high achievers navigate this kind of unknown time without constantly overshooting. Yeah which is the classic thing to do. And then helping generations, you know, generational divide. It's more about there's other issues that are underneath that that have nothing to do with being a boomer or being a Gen Z or whatever. So I find that to be fascinating, but it's all coming to the surface now. And how we actually see work and the purpose of work has shifted dramatically. And we've got to stay in line with where work is going. Okay. Tell me about this. Okay. Tell me about this. Well, think about our grandparents. Okay, so wait, let's go way back, like 1925. Speaking of technology and information, things like that, electricity was only in half of the homes in the United States 100 years ago. You know, uh, now that you say that, I feel both surprised and like, yeah, that kind of makes, makes sense. Makes sense. But well, like, we, we really never think, thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. My grandpa was born in the 20s. And yeah. so you can imagine he had buddies that didn't have power in their home. Wow. Think about like, and now... You and I are some of our cars that we drive are like computers on wheels. They don't even have gasoline. Correct. They're not Correct. even using standard. And we're sitting here. We've got lights on. We're in this brand new, gorgeous building. All of these things are happening. A hundred years later, we're thinking about holograms. Now we're thinking about you know how we upload our consciousness to the mainframe. We're just in a whole different world. So part of the tension that we're experiencing is that every generation that's born is born into a different tech era. And the way that we engage with technology changes our brain, changes the the shape, the our actual neurological connections, changes the way we relate to people, and changes our communication short code. 
So that's why we have so much tension. A big piece of this is that you and I were born in a tech evolution, revolution, and we'll die in it. (laughs) So we're in this hyper dramatic time where communication has changed completely. And each generation is born in with different communication patterns that they use with their peers. That's so fascinating. So I'm 37. I was born in 1985. And I guess that's like elder millennial or something. You like and that. I, I was are reading elder about millennials. This. Okay. Yeah. And uh, a couple of things that I find fascinating in this, I've read that us elder millennials, we bridge the divide. I'm, I'm air quoting here. For the internet listening. divide. Yeah. Uh, well, like uh, generational divides too. Like right. I, I can hang out with my parents, friends, and I can hang out with people that are a little bit younger than me. And and I, I feel comfortable in both yes. places. Yes. It's fascinating because I'm a digital native. I was one of the the kids whose families happened to work in tech in the 80s. So mm-hmm. It was still a little rarer back then. I had my own computer when I was pretty young. Like yeah. I got my first personal computer when I was six. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But my parents worked in telecom and, and, and technology back in the 80s and 90s. I've noticed, though, that I'm... I don't really like texting that much. I do text. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm not a big social media person. I feel uncomfortable a lot of times posting stuff on LinkedIn. Totally. And I read somewhere that the amount of information that gets transferred. So you and I are physically sitting together right now having this conversation. Yeah. We're transferring something like terabytes of information. Yeah. I, I can read your body language. I can see you nodding. I can hear you. But you go like all the way down to a text message. It's like kilobytes mm, of data. There's mm-hmm. no context. There's mm-hmm. no body language. There's no tone. That's right. And I have to imagine that that dramatically impacts how we interact with each other. Yeah. Even in the workplace over Slack. Mm-hmm. It, it There's like, it dehumanizes things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, think about, I think that was part of the purpose of pulling emojis into texting was to Uh, be able to give fake body language through like a smiley face or a frown face or a frustrated face. But you're right. Over 90% of communication is nonverbal. So you are like sucking milkshake through a straw. It's like you're (laughs) hardly getting any. You're working so hard to get a little bit of data when you're texting back and forth. And so you're right. There is so many other layers to being a human being that don't translate straight on just texting. That is true. But part of what you're talking about when you say you can hang out with people older than you, significantly older, significantly younger, is that you and I and millennials in general, if you're born in like the 80s and early 90s, you are pre-internet being ubiquitous. So so you remember the world with like phones on the wall. Yeah. Uh You remember maybe your parents had a car phone that like lived in the car. It was mounted. I've got some bag phones in my basement again, just because. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. yes. I remember these things. Yeah. We had records before there was like cool record shops. Like we played records, non-ironically, like we meant it. (laughs) And we taped songs off the radio. And we recorded stuff on a VHS And we used a big old VHS camcorder. And so you remember, and I remember that time. I remember my grandparents, every time I'd come to see them in the morning, they would read through the entire newspaper. Mm-hmm. I would see they have a specific type of cup they had, a cup of coffee. They always had that in the newspaper. I remember analog days. Wow. Now you and I live in digital yeah. too. But think about, I had my kid the other day ask me, like, when was the last? She literally was asking me about tapes that you put in a tape player. Yeah. And she couldn't understand how it worked compared to a phone. Like, so you had a tape player that was bigger than 
your phone, but the tape is smaller than your phone. I don't understand, like a Walkman, like it's so conf- and now Polaroid pictures are coming back. Uh huh. Yeah. As like a yes. oh, let's take some cool. mood pictures. Yeah, but millennials lived between these huge tech shifts from analog to digital, and that's why we feel so comfortable. Kind of, we're really bilingual. And Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. every generation has different languages that they use in different circumstances. But tech wise, we are pretty bilingual. We've learned how to stay analog, stay in this side of things in person, stay connected. And how does that translate in a friendly way online email? And I mean, social media is like a whole nother evolution of tech, specifically in the in the communications world. It'll it's wild. It's a whole nother we can go into it, but it's a whole nother thing. It's a beast. So how do you think, how do you think that has like impacted and I, you know, the last two years yes. blowing everything up, yes. but in, in general, you, we were talking a little bit earlier about like purpose. Yeah. And, and the difference in the way that maybe somebody coming right out of school, yes. somebody that's maybe roughly 20 years into their career, like yes. you and I, and then, and even, uh, uh, maybe some of them, maybe more senior folks, not sure. the ageist, sure. but, you know, yep. the next generation beyond us. Yes. What have you seen there as you've yeah. consulted with all of these different companies? Oh yeah. Okay. So there's a baseline before we even get into, I don't even want to say pandemic. I'm so sick of it. I, I uh, am too. Just, I we all know what I'm talking about. Yes. yes. <laughs> so there's a baseline in developmental psychology. Okay. So between 20 and 40. Most humans are looking for love, belonging, connection. They're rebuilding their tribe from their family of origin. So they're kind of rebuilding their family uh, or their community. Yeah. So you will watch when typically developmentally, it's not just a Gen Z thing, but when somebody's young and they're going into work, they're thinking about, will I have friends here? Will I have connections here? Will I feel isolated? Can I work from where I want to so I can still be around my pets? They're going to be thinking about how they stay connected and integrated in their community. It's a very, think about in your 20s, it's considered the most loneliest decade of your life. It's second to um, old age when you're losing all your friends to morbidity, which is a bummer. Yeah, But you can imagine in your 20s, you're switching up your proximity to people your age. If you're in college or high school, you're hanging out with peers by nature. You come to work. It's not homogenized anymore. You've got people from all different backgrounds, ages, all of that. And you're trying to learn how to navigate that and still feel safe like you belong. So 20 to 40, you're usually still thinking about how do I belong? How do I like continue to create safety for myself just as a human being? How do I make sure I can make it as an adult? Yeah. When you kind of cross over into 40 to 60, 65, you're thinking about productivity, the legacy you want to leave, the difference you want to make. You're Mm. thinking about that and you're acting on it because you finally have the life wisdom and the resources to make a dent in the world. Yeah. And maybe, maybe almost like a sense of urgency. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's think about like midlife crisis. You're going into, Oh, have I actually done anything? What is life about? Mm -hmm. And then when you get older, 65 and older, and I think, you know, our age, the age that we die has continued to bump out, which is kind of cool. So this may change this kind of developmental levels that we go through. But typically, once you're over 65 in an American culture, you are what we call retired. That's probably going to go away. But you start to look back on your life and you either are filled with gratitude, love and connection or despair. So you're looking back and you're saying, did I do what I came here to do? What was I supposed to do? 
Did I, you know, take good care of my kids? Did I create the life I wanted? And you're looking back. So think about when you hire somebody who's in just, this is developmental psychology. This is not like a millennial versus a boomer. This is every single human goes through these different stages of development. And so if you hire somebody who's on the older end of that or the younger end, they come into work with just a different place in their actual life, their personal life. So that changes a lot of their values and the things that matter to them. So before I'm a step parent now, I became a step parent a couple years ago and love my kids. And it dramatically changed my values and what matters to me. Yeah, you know, I'm much more likely to stay home than be willing to travel. You know, we all go through these developmental stages in our life. If we get married, if we have a family, whatever matters to us, uh, we focus more and more on until we retire, which again, that will probably go away too. So that's a piece of it that really doesn't have to do with generations. It's just that the irony is that right now the generations kind of align with those developmental stages. So think about millennials are now they're you know, the end of that generation is between 40 and 42, depending mm -hmm. on the researchers. Mm -hmm. So you're right at this crossover into your next developmental stage. Can you see how these kind oh, of just yeah. naturally start to line up? So when you think about the pandemic, you have just the natural developmental stages that people are going through. You have technology coming front and center and the way that we communicate and engage was forced yes. upon every single industry. Now, in 2015, I was doing presentations where I would say, millennials really want work-life integration, not balance, integration. They want to be able to get their haircut, do their work at Starbucks, go to the library, not come into the office. Flexibility is the name of the game. And everybody was like, cool, we're not doing that. That sounds painful. But then we all had to do it. Yeah. So now you're watching everybody say, as people are coming back, how much do we really have to be in the office to maintain culture? How much do we really have to be here? Gallup research says about one day a week. But there are companies. Elon Musk just came out and said to his, um, I don't know if it was every worker or just office workers, that they had to be back in the office 100%. And if they didn't show up, it was considered like that they had quit, that they weren't coming back. And so you have this argument around some one of the most intense tech companies in the world trying to get to Mars saying you need to be in person. Yeah. So there's this kind of moral divide around working from home flexibility, the use of technology in the human connection paradigm that we live in. Yeah. So you, you're yeah. seeing that battle play out. But there is just the straight developmental battle that's always there that always causes problems. And then you've got this. It's almost, it's almost additive. Exactly. The tech piece is additive to that. And certainly... You know, when so many, uh, such a high percentage of population has gone through a major health crisis, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. attention gets turned to our health and our performance. And we used to say, like, if you have the flu, we don't expect you to come to work. What if you have COVID long haul symptoms? You're no longer contagious, but your brain is not fully firing the way that you're used to. You are now, you know, you feel like you're not yourself yet. What if you fall into depression from COVID? How are we taking care of people? Because it's very rare that we have such a health crisis in mass yeah. at this extreme level where it's front and center. You have to think about it. So all of these pieces, the, you know, the development one has been there, the technology one's been there, but it just became front and center. And then our health and how that impacts our productivity is screaming. And everybody who's in HR, God bless. I love HR folks. They are, they have a seat at the table like never before to represent the employees well, to make sure we still are on mission as a company, to protect the needs of the company too. 
And these are the issues that every single organization has to make decisions about. Yeah, because that I mean that is that is a really uh, there's there's some healthy tension in that. Exactly, you there know? is tension. Yeah, and every think about every company's can a hospital let nurses work remote? Probably not. Can, can you do? I, I don't I don't know what a, I don't know all what? all of the functions of a nurse, but it makes me feel like you probably can't. You can't. What about yeah. policemen and firemen? Definitely no. Definitely, you cannot put a fire out from your couch. Yeah. Or from your at-home office. And so you cannot, I think it's it's very challenging to make blanket statements about mm. what the right thing yes. is yes. for your company, your industry, this season of life. It's very difficult to make blanket statements, but everybody wants just the sure answer and it doesn't exist. Yeah, everybody's looking for a silver bullet. I'm with you. What's the perfect combo? Well, there's a lot of factors there. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and then it, like, even at an individual level, like you have to decide what's best for you, you know, That's if, exactly if, right. if, if, uh, you know, if Tesla or SpaceX is yeah. saying we're, we want to be office first because we feel like that's best for us as a corp, as a corporation yeah. and you as an individual feel like that's not best for you, then it's not that you are wrong or they are wrong. It's just that it's not a good fit. Different paths. Yeah. The paths have split. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we want to put good and evil. On those things, they, or, we do or, moralize. Or yes. Yeah, we do yeah. create a moral problem around it. When it, I don't know that it is a moral problem. It's just different contexts. Yeah, I have a hunch, and I don't know Elon personally. Sadly, I don't actually <laughs> know him. We did not text about this, but I have a hunch that because he's such an innovative person, that he sees you have to have humans in physical proximity to come up with the level of ideas that he is coming up with. I, there may be something to that. I would not be surprised yeah. when we study psychological safety, when we study how people, how companies come up with brilliant ideas and solutions. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with being in physical proximity of your team. I mean, there, there's so much, there's so many examples and research around the serendipity of mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, what's the trite analogy the water cooler conversation the water cooler Who has yes. a water cooler anymore anyway um the coffee machine for us uh, yes. for us that'll be that's our that's our example i guess yep. the coffee maker the, the the serendipity of that uh you can't you can't force you can't re, you can't create it's like how do you create a viral video exactly you can't you got it it it, it, it just happens when it happens You're right. and um that's really really hard to uh, manifest remotely and in a hybrid environment. And uh, it's one of the, like SCP, we're office first. We've always been that way. And, you know, it's, that has been a really challenging road to navigate back into this environment. And, you know, a lot of people could look at it and say like, well, you're just trying to keep an eye on everybody. And really it's not about that. Mm -hmm. Um, As somebody that, that, that is responsible for people in the building. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know what time everybody comes in. I don't know what time they all leave. I don't know exactly what they're working on every day because they're adults and I trust them and they do great work and they yeah. take care of each other. And that's really, it's really about having great culture, doing great work and doing it together. I mean, yeah. for us, it really means, but if you've got something going on, go home. You got a contractor, you're sick, you like, go home. That's okay. But we want to primarily, it's like that, that primary thing, like we want to be office first as a primary mode and then take care of yourself, take care of each other and be human. That's one of our values on the wall. I feel like we live that out every well every day, but it's easy. I think for some people to look at that and say, Oh, you're just, 
You just, you just want butts and seats. It's like, eh. Yeah. I don't know. There's is... a lot of standing desks around here. so <laughs> You just want to stand. But I think you make a good point that it's easy to look from the outside and make a judgment on an organization or a company or the decisions they're making. And they're usually much more complex than that. And yeah. so even asking, like, what's the story I'm telling myself? If my company wants me to come back full time, and I hate that idea because yeah. I have a pandemic puppy and yeah. I want to be home with her. What does that actually, what are they actually asking of me? Why are they asking it? Because it's easy to jump to extremes. It's yeah. easy to be like, they just want butts and seats. They feel like they own people and they don't. And this is a revolution. Why can't they get on board? And you end yeah. up in a whole argument that really isn't reflecting a company's values. Now, not, you know, and I know everybody has, I did a survey one time on LinkedIn about if you've had a toxic manager or boss. I and saw it this. Was, I participated in this. Yes. And I believe it was 98% of people said, yes, they have had a toxic boss or manager. So I'm not saying trust everybody and, you know, believe the best. I'm actually saying, obviously, everyone has toxic experiences. And maybe the last few years have shown you the underbelly of an organization that you work for and you're not happy. And a lot of organizations are truly trying to come up with the best way to work and keep the mission of the company moving forward and take care of the people that work yeah. for them. And so that in that way, believing the best as a starting point and then asking the, the why question, you know, what is it about having everybody come in that's important to SCP or your company? Making sure to be very clear about why that matters so that people understand yeah. and they don't write a narrative yeah. that you're just controlling or you want butts and seats. What have you seen, so in the vein of caring well for people, what have you seen some of your your clients and and just some other companies in the industry, and maybe I'm thinking around the tech world because that's 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 where my brain often goes. What have you seen them doing here recently or needing to pivot around caring well for people while staying on mission? What are some of the challenges that they've seen and maybe some of the the new tactics that they've had to uh, uh, embark on because I would I would imagine everybody's had some new things that have popped up. Yeah, and I was actually surprised at the things that popped up. So the first six months, everybody was like, "Let's do a yoga Zoom class and yeah, recenter." Yeah, we so yeah. we tried to do that. We tried to do those things. And what I'm finding two years in is that high conscious organizations are saying our leaders need executive coaching. They need to be transformed from the inside out. It's no longer about us getting it right on the website, getting it right on the job description, getting it right in the lens of recruiting, but our leaders actually have to completely transform and become more compassionate and more confident in their leadership skills, both. Because again, working remote or not seeing your team every day, your emotional intelligence has to go up to compensate because you don't get this face-to-face -face time you have so much less data to work with, your emotional intelligence has to compensate for that. So growing your emotional intelligence has been one of the most organic things I've seen companies focus on versus, oh, we're going to do a, a me day program or we're going to, I've certainly seen tech companies and I've seen this in Indianapolis, you probably have too, um, take summer vacation as a team or as an organization. We're all taking the first week of June off to reset. And I think that helps high achievers relax and not feel like I'm letting everybody down. It's like, no, across the board, the expectation is you go home, you don't check your email. We are all out together for a week or we're taking every Friday off in the summer or some communal agreement around completely unplugging. 
because tech continues to weave so much into our life. I'm answering emails at a stoplight. That's bad. Don't do that, y'all. That is dangerous. Why did I say that on a recording? I've, uh, I've never done that either. Never? No, no not way, ever. I ever. put my phone in the backseat. Now, I don't touch it. <laughs> but, you know, agreeing as an organization how to take time off and leave each other alone yeah, yeah. and unplug. So those are the two pieces that I've seen. Certainly, I get brought into teams a lot more to yeah. do communication coaching, emotional intelligence coaching, building up the next generation of leaders sooner than expected. So I'm doing a lot more of those like long-term training projects yeah. where I'm in a team every month. It's no longer like, ba da ba I did a keynote for you. See you later. It's like, can you fold into our team and kind of be um, somebody that people can go to, but also just do like a micro training once a month? So I see these shifts happening, the executive coaching for all leaders so they can they have support and they can make true integrated decisions. I see teams and companies taking their own breaks. And then I do see these kind of micro training, bring in an outside voice to check in on everybody in a patterned rhythmic way. It's interesting. You hit on something that I think is, is fascinating. If you just did executive coaching and if you just did these, um, uh, organizationally wide mm, care for yourself times, breaks. I don't know. Yeah. Breaks. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, those would kind of feel like uh, 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 band-aids in mm-hmm, some ways. Mm-hmm. But if I think, if you think about it, at least the way I'm thinking about it right now, you take that break and then you come back into a toxic environment where your leaders aren't well-trained, that break really doesn't mean much. It's it's very short-lived. But That's right. if you can live out the values on the website in your leadership team every day. That's right. Because they're leveling up that emotional intelligence and, and the ability to reach people as human beings first, then those breaks become uh, uh, wonderful rituals that are baked into the culture that you get to live out every day. You get it. That, that's really interesting. Um, you get it. That's it. And I, and I love the thing that you, you're touching on as far as maybe uh, um, pushing up. I like the idea of pu- mm-hmm. pushing up, pulling up. I don't know. Uh, whichever one you like better. Picture that in your in your mind. Um leaders earlier than they might have historically yes. been. Yes, exactly. Do you think that's part of the the talent uh, challenges, talent acquisition challenges that everybody's facing? Do you think that's some of that manifesting there? Like, okay, we can't, it's hard to, it's really hard to find senior talent right now, period. Right. If, right. You're, if you're 10 years into your career, it's impossible to find you. Come out from under the rock. I don't yes. know where you are. Yeah. Um, uh, but somebody that's, you know, maybe five years out of school. Yep. Like, hey, we need you to step up a little bit. And how do you how do you properly equip them? Mm-hmm, that's it. And and care for them as they as they go into that journey. Like that that's a real challenge and a reality for some folks. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things you're hitting on. Gen X, the group that you might be looking for, mm-hmm. more than ten years into their career, sure, but sure. Twenty years season, they know their stuff. They know how to do their work. There are less Gen Xers in the population. Than millennials. So there's just less birth. The birth rate went down. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the birth yeah. rate's about to go. The birth rate's going down right now again, yeah, by yep, the way. There's less yes. Gen Zs. So colleges are panicking because their enrollment rates are going down sheerly because of birth rate. So, okay. So that's one piece is there is less talent. Yeah. That's a numbers thing. And the idea of having like an internal leadership program and building that out is also a retention, basically. It's a retention uh, strategy. Yeah. That somebody, And building people into leaders with the right communication skills, the right coaching skills, the right the right understanding of feedback and how to communicate clearly 
If you do that earlier on, you can also start to identify who is your next leader. Sometimes they, we usually have people apply to programs like that. So you start to see who's coming out of the woodwork naturally. And what's interesting about these kinds of paths, like these eight month, nine month training paths is people weed themselves out naturally. So I had a top salesman go through this and he's like, I want to be a manager because that's the next step. And everybody was like, you sell twice as much as your next salesperson. Like we really don't want to make you a manager. And as we went through the program, he's like, no, I just want to be a star salesperson. I realize I don't want to take on these leadership skills. This is a bear. Yeah. And managing people looks kind of different than sales, not interested in taking a pay hit and having to learn new skills. Fantastic. That was a great way to learn without losing you. Yeah. And without putting you in a position where no one benefits. So that's there is this we need young talent to be developed quicker because there is an actual just numbers problem there. And a huge percentage, I'd have to look back up the actual percentage, but at the time when I looked it up, 20% of women left the workforce in the beginning of the pandemic. So you can imagine some of them have decided. I talked to one this morning. She's like, "Ah, I'm going to work for myself. I'm not going back to a company. And so you you do have real workforce loss. And looking at your next generation, it's never too soon to teach people communication skills and leadership skills. It's just never too soon. It's true. Yeah, because you don't have to be, I often talk about this and, you know, this is whatever's in Zach's head, but um, there's a difference between being a leader and, yeah. and, and being in a leadership position. You yes. can, you can, you can be one in the same. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I hope, I hope that uh, the more folks that are in leadership positions are good leaders, but you can lead people even without the formal authority uh, that comes along with being in a, in a role of leadership. And oftentimes, in my opinion, it's better. If you can influence people to follow you without the authority, you, you're onto something. You got it. And it's so fascinating. Um, you, you just touched on something that is a, a personal fascination of mine. This, because uh, uh, I, I fell into this trap early in my career. I've, I've got to, I want to be the uh, director of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb aiming. that ladder. Yep. I'm aiming for that thing. And um, ultimately, I think I enjoy uh, uh, serving in in a role of leadership, that I do enjoy that versus being more of that individual contributor. I think I'm I'm better in that role just for myself. That's the way my brain is wired. My heart is wired. Uh, I love serving people and I'm terrible at detail work. So uh, good fit. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but this, this like old school that still exists uh, quite a bit, unfortunately, uh, like push that y- you should be pushing for being a manager one day, managing right. people right. without understanding the the implications of that. And yes. just because you're, a, I don't know, a, a high level individual contributor, that's a good thing. Like you, like that's a, that's an okay place to seek and stop Yes, because that's so valuable. Yep. And I think there's sometimes companies that undervalue people doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's going to evolve forward, but I hope more companies embrace this idea that not every uh, career trajectory has to lead to some form of organizational management. That's right. That's right. Well, you have to kind of adapt to that. You have to, we talk about org charts getting wider and flatter. Mm, yeah. And when we do, like when we do leadership, classes, you know, you think, well, if you train 12 people in leadership skills, they're all going to want management jobs. Guess what? One, no, two people out of 18 in the last round I did wanted to be in management positions. 
A handful of others said, here's a way that I can bring value to the company that I never thought about before until now. I want to be a part of the internship program. Uh, I'm going to build it out differently. And yeah. I'd like to take on four internships and do blah, 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 and do X, Y, Z with it. And so even the next generation isn't always thinking about moving up. They're thinking about moving wide. How can I bring other new movements or maybe we start a culture club or we do something that's not being done right now that adds value to the company in a different way. It's really, that is like this, the natural mental state that younger generations tend to be in versus climbing this ladder. You know, the moment that information became fair use for everyone and available to everyone, basically the internet, the inception of the internet, and then the wide use of it, the idea that at the very top there is power because you withhold knowledge and you pay money, those two, those two power dynamics are gone. You don't withhold knowledge. I can find out what's happening, you know, in Southwest corporate without working for them. I can go to their tweet. You know, I can see who's tweeting them. I can see yeah. what's going on. Another yeah. the Elon Musk reference I gave was because I believe it was from a leaked letter to his staff. So you don't hold power because you don't have knowledge that I can't get somewhere else. And we are in the age of multiple streams of income. Yeah. So Gen Z's and millennials are like half of millennials have a side hustle that makes eight grand a year on average. So you can imagine the next generation, my generation and Gen Z's are thinking about multiple streams of income. Well, what does that mean? Well, if I lose this job, it doesn't freaking matter because I have multiple streams and I don't depend on one person to pay for all my bills. So all of that power is gone. So the the kind of obsession with climbing the corporate ladder, it just doesn't have the energy yeah. and, mot and motives around it that it used to. And right, and and hopefully that's a good thing. I think it's a good. thing. I think thing. it's a great thing. Uh, I, yeah. I I often tell people that um, I was really uh, young and stupid to be thinking that way. And um, if if I were to start walking around with a, an authoritative attitude, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that I would lose any credibility and influence that I have. The whatever whatever I might have currently mm -hmm. uh, because it's it, not only is it just in my opinion ethically wrong yeah. um, but it's it's not the way to meet people where they're at it's really not and you will not get the best product out of somebody that you have to have power over I agree I 100% agree um, I, I would rather do it as a team exactly yeah you got it okay so as we as we wrap up here I want to come back to the purpose. Mm -hmm. I, I love this idea because I feel like it's something that is, it can be squishy for people. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to, to, for some folks to like wrap their head around like purpose that's fuzzy and ethereal and, uh, um, you know, quote unquote, be, what's, what does it mean to be on mission? Um, I'm, I'm curious your take, if you were to kind of explain aligning these these different generations around purpose at a at a single company. How would you help an organization do that? Do you have to have three different messages? Do you, or is there a way to kind of bring everybody along for the same ride? Mm -hmm. How do you do that well? So you're talking about when a company, practically speaking, is figuring out like their mission statement, their purpose, their values, yeah, or even like that. just continuing to because you know you can't uh, uh, communication the guarantee of communication, right? It's like 100 percent of your message is going to be misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, right. Very true. So it's it's almost like this drip marketing campaign inside yes. of a company. Like here's where we're going, folks. Here's where we're here's going, how folks. We do it. Here's yep. where we're going, folks. But I've got I've got boomers, I've got millennials, I've got Gen Zs all in the building hearing this message. Right. How do I get them all along? for that single ride. Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, is that a pipe dream? 
I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think you bring up a really important piece that it kind of covers, it goes, reviews some of what we said, but, you know, boomers traditionally, because of the time that they were raised yeah, in, because of power yeah. hierarchies and stuff, they did have a job just for the paycheck. Yeah. So, and this isn't true of every single boomer. This is not like yeah, clad, it's not an indictment clad. on this generation. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so they will, it's enough to say for most, I'm here because this is what we do in the world. I like that thing and I make a paycheck. It's that simple. Okay. So as you go down through the generations, and I think this has to do with technology and communication and education, there's so many layers here, but as you go down through those generations, the employee themselves feels more empowered to make change in the world that they don't need a company to do that. So Uh, if they come and work for you, they're doing it because not only do they get paid, but you are doing something in the world that matters to them and in a way that is humane. Mm. All of a sudden, we care about how we work, not just what we do. And so when you're sharing a message across generations, boomers may not need as much. Just we, sure. We're here. We, uh, we're a bank. We fund businesses. We make sure families can have houses with mortgages. That's what we do. You make a living off of that. Yeah. Done. Yeah. The next generation millennials, Gen Z's, as you go down the line, and certainly Gen X can kind of play in both, but millennials and Gen Z's will say, well, why do we even need brick and mortar banks? Why do we do things this way? Why does somebody have to come in and show, what about social justice? What, how am I supposed to have a paycheck if I'm homeless and I mm. can't send my paycheck somewhere? Do we think about that, y'all? Do we think about the people that the bank doesn't serve? They're going to be yeah. thinking about these other layers of how we do our work, who our customer is, if we're creating more equity and more equitability in the world, fairness in the world, or are we just making the rich richer and the poor poor? So they're looking through a social justice lens. They're looking through an environmental lens. So they're asking, they're saying, yeah, of course, somehow I need to make money, but I can do it a million different ways. I know somebody who's a cat photographer. You can make money a million different ways, you know? Uh, Yes, I want a job that makes money. I want teammates that I like to be around that are my friends. But I also want to make sure that every day that I get out of bed and I put an ounce of energy towards this company's mission, that we are actually making the world markedly better. We're not just making money. We're not just putting a product out that people buy. I want to know that we actually make the world a better place. And that's a that goes back to executive coaching for leaders. Leaders more than ever have to dig into their own crap from their childhood, from their own trauma, from their own experiences, and work through it and become more self-aware so that they can speak to this very deep level of purpose because you can imagine if you don't want to do the work if you don't want to look at your own life if you're not like willing to accept dark parts of you and light parts of you and all of that it's going to be hard to want to go that far it's going to be hard to be like why do we do this work because banking will always exist i don't know why this matters but well why does it matter what does social justice look like what are we going to do moving into the future so when i see leaders that can speak to the youngest generation they have done a ton of work. They've gone to therapy. They're emotionally healthy. They have a coach that speaks into this. They are open to change. They have a growth mindset. Their their level of consciousness continues to rise. I know you've got reinventing organizations over here. I saw that. And that book clearly outlines this process. And so, you know, you don't have to change your message, but you have to add to it and you have to get clarity about how you measurably make the world a better place, period. 
And doesn't everybody really want that? Wouldn't a boomer, even though they would just take a paycheck, wouldn't they feel better? Yes, I to, think so. To say, I don't just make a paycheck. I make this difference in the lives of kids or we're actually making a measurable difference in the world. I think so. Yeah. I'm not a boomer. I can't speak for them, but yes. yes. Well, when I, I, think, have, I think even people that are, you know, maybe emotionally disconnected from their work, yeah. they still, we all have feelings. Mm-hmm. We all have thoughts and opinions and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, societal, you know, baggage they're holding on to that makes them feel like they maybe not be able to share that or or yeah. talk about it or admit it. It's still there. It still exists. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. Yeah. So it's, really com- it's complex, and yet, yeah, it's a simple direction of raising our consciousness, our self awareness, our care for others. That's that's where we're moving. It's not enough to make money and ignore the rest. Everything is coming to light. And, you know, you, oftentimes in software, um, what is simple is not always easy. Mm. It's usually marketably more complicated and much harder to actually make it happen. I believe that. So, yes, simple message, simple direction, very hard to do. I believe that. Uh, That's but I'm it. with you. Yeah. Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much. You're welcome. I love, I love this conversation and um, all the things you're talking about. If you, uh, have a place for people to find you. Where do you want to find you? Yeah, you can just go to my name, lindsaybocardo.com. We also practice these skills together at practicewithlindsay.com. Every month we practice emotional intelligence, communication skills, things like that. So that's been really fun to meet leaders all over the country mm-hmm. coming to learn these skills uh, through Zoom, through their own comfort of their own home office, yeah. <laughs> wherever they are. Uh, but yeah, any either one of those places is a great place to start. Well, having been in one of your trainings, um, uh, I will tell you, anybody listening to this, you should definitely go check out Lindsay. Thank Thank, you. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. Of course. Glad to be here. 